This is the man in black here. I'm Shadow Lord. He's alive. Alive! Welcome, one and all, to the first annual Retroist Halloween special. The subject of today's episode isn't the pop culture minutia that I really enjoy talking about every week, but instead we're going to take a more personal look at Halloween. We've brought together a great group of contributors. Some of them you're familiar with, some of them you're not. All of them have great Halloween memories that they intend to share with you. Some will frighten, some will amuse, but hopefully all of them will inspire you to make some great Halloween memories today. Scares and thrills aplenty await us. So, without further ado, let's start the show.
This contributor needs no introduction. Jonathan is a regular contributor to the Retroist podcast, but Halloween is something Jonathan is very familiar with because he runs the first haunt podcast on the internet, and that's Rotting Flesh Radio. Now, growing up in a family with five kids, there has always been somebody in the house, something going on, all kinds of friends and fun all throughout the entire year. And Halloween was always a really big time in our household. You know, like I said, with five kids, we were all growing up, all had our own friends. It was like a revolving door. People were in and out every single day and on Halloween it was always a blast and always fun and there was this one Halloween that really comes back in my mind vividly it was probably about 35 degrees or so you know we're up in Wisconsin so it was pretty cold and pretty brisk the leaves were falling everything was blowing but it was a very sunny day at the same time it had this sense to it you know where everything feels very still and quiet yet at the same time everything is active there was like not a bird chirping nothing going on but kids running all around trick-or-treating and that was the year when i thought star wars was the best thing on the planet now because it was star wars you're thinking maybe he was luke skywalker maybe han solo no not even Darth Vader. No, I wanted to be Chewbacca. Yeah, this coming from somebody that was the shortest family member in our entire family and still is today. I wanted to be Chewbacca. Now, this is back when they had the awesome costumes where you'd go to the store. You had the rubber band holding on the face that looked like Chewbacca. But just in case people didn't know who I was, I had that yellow smock on with a picture of Chewbacca on it. But I thought, you know what, once I put on that smock and that plastic mask, I thought I looked just like him. I thought I was Chewbacca. Now, that was really a fun Halloween. I felt I was him. And I even had the sound down pat. I don't think I can still do it, so I won't share that part with you. But later on that night, it got darker, it got colder, and I put in my favorite LP, you know, back in the day of records. And I was flipping through my page-by-page -page storybook of It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown, which is a fantastic LP because there's added audio that they don't have on the television special to be more descriptive. Once that was finished, that's when the preparation started for our annual haunted house. We always did a haunted house. Since we grew up in the city, we had one of those basement doors that was almost like a cellar door. And you could walk down really slowly and it led you right into the basement. So what we did is we created a haunted house with all of our family members, five kids, and we invite the entire neighborhood to come on and take part in it. And what we did is we hung up all these pieces of meat and webs and made it as spooky as we possibly could on that night. People were walking through there, they get slapped in the face with some meat wham wham you know they just totally be taken back by it and there was all kinds of fun things including my mom dressed up like this evil psychotic crazy witch at the back of the basement that was ready to put the fear into them now where did I come into play you know what I was so proud that I was Chewbacca that night I was a werewolf I was hiding behind one of the furnaces jumping out and scaring everybody boo are you know doing the whole works and I thought I was dead on I was like this is it I'm scaring everybody not really realizing the whole time that I had that yellow smock on with a picture of Chewbacca wearing a plastic mask you know looking back now it's probably the funniest thing that I've ever done and I've, I was looking at pictures and video of this that my dad videotaped you know back when they had the big honking you know Sony video recorders he videotaped this and it was the funniest thing because everyone's scary and spooky and all the kids are walking through in the neighborhood and you have Chewbacca jumping out from a furnace at about three feet tall it was the funniest thing looking back now but at the time I was Chewbacca and in case you didn't know I had a picture of it on my chest just to prove it our next contributor is someone 
who you've never actually heard on the Retroist podcast, but you've heard his name and you've seen his work. It's artist Christopher Tupa, with a blocked memory of savage adorableness. My Halloween memory is an interesting one because I remember the first half of this and the second half I totally had no recollection of until we talked about it with my family last Halloween and they told me about this. So here goes. We were trick-or-treating and I was about six or seven maybe and we were at our neighbor's house and they had a little porch with the screen door and I was so excited I ran up and rang the doorbell and my parents and my brother were behind me and... When I rang the doorbell, this dog just started barking like crazy and ran up to the screen door and just scared the crap out of me. And I turned and ran away. Now here is what I was told what happened after that. The dog came up, knocked open the screen door, and I was so scared I started screaming and crying, turned around, ran down the steps to the yard, and the dog jumped on me and started licking my face. And the whole time I was just screaming and crying. And, of course, my parents and my brother were standing right there just laughing the whole time. But I don't remember any of that after the dog came up to the screen door barking. So that was you know, pretty interesting. And when they told me the rest of that story, I had no idea what they were talking about. But uh, that that's my most memorable Halloween memory. So, happy Halloween. It's awfully quiet here at the Retro Studio. Halloween is upon us. Here to share some of their favorite Halloween memories are some voices that you've never heard on the Retroist podcast, but if you're a fan of high-quality podcasts, you might have heard them on the Zerbin cast. So sit back and listen to stories of Halloween's past as told by the Zerbinator, the Shellinator, and of course, the Jobinator. Well, I remember my favorite Halloween would have to be when I was 11 years old, and I dressed up like the Incredible Hulk, and I had a wig that was green that I must have purchased somewhere, or my dad, I think, got it for me. And uh, mind you, this would have been 1981. So it's very hard to find a green wig somewhere. And uh, But I put that on, and I'm covered in makeup from the top of my head all the way down to my belly button a little bit below. <laughs> and I'm out there with a ripped shirt, total green makeup all over my arms, wow. my, my hands, everything green. I greened myself up real good. I don't remember what I used. I think mom picked me up something, and uh, it must have been like a clown makeup kind of thing you know and um jeans ripped up and i did it <laughs> from my kneecaps down to my toes and uh yeah so that was my favorite halloween i ran around in the leaves going Arr! i picked them up and <laughs> throw them up in the air and um wow that was excellent yeah, that so that was really that fun. was my favorite and i got a lot of candy that year okay. yeah. that's another important factor that's right that's the main yeah, thing yeah, getting the tons candy of candy is. so what do you got well I don't have really one particular thing, but my favorite time for Halloween was when my kids were little and, you know, take them around the neighborhood. And Katrina, my oldest, always liked to be scary. Mm -hmm. So she liked to be something scary. Caitlin, the younger one, never wanted to be anything scary. She was always a princess or cat in the hat or something <laughs> like that. She always wanted to be something sweet. And we would walk around the neighborhood and we had one of our neighbors wasn't, I mean, she was old. She was probably in her 90s. And everybody loved to go to her house because she always gave notebooks. Like, you know, <laughs> wow. the regular thick, you know, notebooks. Or she had pencils or she had cans of soda. And so the kids all loved to go there. And she would mm. invite you in because she had had like eight kids or something. So that's what I loved about Halloween the most was taking my kids around. Right. Well, I really don't have a particular year. Mm -hmm. I have like a particular time in my life, and that was probably when I was four, five, and six. 
those were the days when everybody decorated their house. And as a kid, these decorations really seemed real to me. Those innocent times in my life, and it was really, really exciting for me to, to be scared like that. And, like they put and we walked for miles stones. just <laughs> everywhere, and it's unbelievable that everybody, at least in my neighborhood uh-huh. and surrounding the area, they always had some really, really nice decorations. Was that Baltimore? Yes. Yes. Not in the city, in, in the outskirts, which mm-hmm. made it even better because it's more scarier with the big trees and the mm-hmm. leaves. And I really missed that time. It was about 69, 70, 71, and I do remember that age. That's really, it really cool. affected me in a good way. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah, yeah, fun. So I can't wait for this Halloween. Oh, me either. going to run about in green mm-hmm. makeup with the kids and... Take I'm going to be going around in the leaves and the trees, and <laughs> we got a lot of trees in my neighborhood, so it's going to be really nice. I like watching the little kids come up, and they're so excited. Oh, so. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's going to be fun, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Happy, Happy Halloween. Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> Happy Halloween, indeed. Do you hear that? What is that? It's definitely coming from above me, I think. Well... I think there's something up in the crawl space above the studio. I'm going to go check that out. In the meantime, I'm going to leave you with Retroist regular contributor Killscreen, who I like to call Tom, who is going to share with you a tale of a Halloween pageant gone awry. So the first Halloween memory I have uh, takes place in third grade, maybe fourth grade, and we're putting on a Halloween play, and the character I'm playing is the Headless Horseman. So my outfit consists of sneakers and blue jeans and a a large suit jacket. And the suit jacket is big enough where they pin the neck. I wear a baseball cap and when they put the jacket on, my head doesn't pop out. Uh, Now my arms and hands are inside the jacket. So the left arm of the jacket has a mannequin hand uh, poking out. And the right arm is pinned to the jacket. And for my head, we use a balloon. And on the balloon, we draw a face and we taped a wig to it and put it inside the arm and taped the, the balloon to the, to the jacket and pinned the wig to the jacket so nothing fell out. Well, as I'm getting ready to say my lines, I turn on the microphone and unfortunately, I bump the pin that's holding the right arm to the jacket and it unpops and pops the balloon. So as you look up on stage, you just see a a headless character with a hairy armpit and a little bit of a balloon dangling from a jacket, which used to be my head. It was an interesting play. Okay, I'm back. It seems like the sound has actually moved into the basement, so I'm going to need to check that out. Tom here is going to share with you another memory. This one I think all the Midwestern fans of the Retroist podcast will be familiar with. Snowy, snowy Halloween. For two years straight here in Wisconsin, when fall time comes, you can get snow at any time. And for two years, we got snow on Halloween, and it was just wet, thick, heavy stuff. And the first year... They were just calling for cold temperatures. They weren't calling for snow. And so the costume I wore that year was of a monk. Had my robe on and socks and sandals keep my feet warm. I mean, I was plenty warm. wasn't cold at all. Well, about an hour into trick-or-treating, it started to rain. And it started to snow. And it was thick, heavy, wet stuff. And I had probably about a good three-quarters of a mile to walk home. 
and it was coming down really fast and by the time I got home I was drenched to the bone it was so cold my my hands and my feet were just numb from cold and I ended up getting sick and I was out of school for about a week and the following year the weather did the exact same thing it was just that thick heavy wet cold snow, it was slush, uh, we had about six, seven inches of it, but we, we were going to go out trick-or-treating anyway, and so we dressed up in our winter boots and snow pants and heavy jackets and boots and gloves, and um, after about the first or second house, we realized that no one is asking some of the people, who are you, for Halloween, because as you look around, you could see all the other neighborhood kids were dressed the exact same way. So Halloween in Wisconsin for those couple years was more like Christmas time with trick-or-treating. Thanks, Tom. It's really weird. All the manuals for my Atari 2600 that I had in the basement were missing. I wonder if all the stuff I put in the crawl space is okay. I'm going to have to go check that out. Our next contributor to the Halloween special is one you're all familiar with, Metagirl. But this time, Metagirl's not going to share a top five list, but instead just her number one Halloween memory. Enjoy. I'll be up in the crawl space. When I was three years old, my mother empowered me to select my first Halloween costume. I chose my TV hero at the time, Casper the Friendly Ghost. Oh, how I loved that spooky yet lovable ghost, and the plastic mask and white nylon robe that represented him. That year, I went to my first Halloween costume pageant, where kids marched down suburban Main Street and have their costumes judged at the end of the line. Considering that there were six other Caspers standing on either side of me, none of us took a prize in the contest, much to my mother's chagrin. The next year, when my mother asked what I wanted to be for Halloween, my response was immediate. Casper. Though my mother suggested I shouldn't portray the same character two years in a row, I was very persuasive for a four-year-old, and got my wish. In that year's costume parade, there must have been 20 Caspers in the crowd, and again, none of us triumphed. The following year was the last straw for Casper. I had won the what-are-you-going-to-be-for-Halloween battle and dressed as my favorite friendly ghost, but that year the total volume of Caspers made the Halloween parade seem more like a tidal wave of white washing down Main Street instead of a group of festive kids. And of course, none of us with such unoriginal store-bought costumes placed in the top ranks of the costume contest. That was it for my mother. No daughter of hers was going to be just a face in the crowd. Just another Casper in a sea of Caspers. From the following year onward, I had to represent. So as of age six, I was no longer allowed to wear store-bought costumes. This is also when Halloween started to be viewed as a season more than a single day. My parents developed a process, usually beginning in July, through which they would design my costume for that year. Though I had input in the design process, I no longer had decision-making authority. The first homemade costume was fairly simple. I was a prairie girl, wearing a traditional long floral dress with smocking across the top. I had a hand-knit shawl across my shoulders and wore a large white bonnet. This costume was likely inspired by the TV hit Little House on the Prairie, which was very popular at the time. So the costume wasn't so original, but at least it wasn't store-bought. But with each Halloween, the costumes became more elaborate, turning from homemade to handcrafted. My parents stayed up until the wee hours of the night, working out last-minute details. After the Prairie Girl, I was a gypsy, then a French chef, then Vincent Van Gogh, then a robot, and so on. My personal favorite was the Tooth Fairy costume. The complete ensemble included a set of beautiful pink and silver wings, a giant quarter, which was a cardboard disc covered in aluminum foil with 25 cents spelled out in construction paper, and my favorite part, 
A giant tooth made of several thick layers of foam board adhered together and then carved with an electric saw to resemble a tooth. The accessories were all courtesy of my mother's keen sense of design and my father's engineering background. I loved the costume. Though trick-or-treating was difficult, holding a giant quarter and a giant tooth, both which were larger than my head, as well as my jack-o'-lantern-style candy bucket. The Tooth Fairy was my favorite costume, but still not a success at the Halloween pageant. Yes, I was still attending the Halloween parade and accompanying costume contests each year, and each year I failed to bring home a prize, any prize, which really didn't concern me, but bothered my mother, who thought I was the best-dressed kid each year. It was my continuous losing streak that spurred my parents' creativity for the following year. Finally, when I was 11 years old, my luck turned. That year, I dressed as the Statue of Liberty. Naturally, there was no store-bought foam crown on my head. No, no, my father made a custom-fitted crown of gold that included the precise number of points and the precise number of windows as seen on the famous statue herself. I held high a golden flaming torch, which was really a flashlight covered in gold construction paper and topped with flame-colored tissue, but it really lit up. My mother dyed a set of white sheets the perfect Statue of Liberty green, and spent over an hour draping them correctly around my young frame with a photo of the real statue on hand for reference. When the big day arrived, I marched in the pageant as I had the previous eight years. I made it to the end of the line and stood before the judge's stern review. When all the votes were tallied, I took fourth place in the contest. Not the best, but honorable mention is better than no mention at all. My mother was so proud, it was as if my Statue of Liberty crown was her crowning glory. Though it's been years since I've dressed up for Halloween, I'm reminded of the old handcrafted costumes from time to time. For the last decade or so, my mother has complained about a pair of white pillowcases in her linen closet for which she cannot find the matching sheets. She's been perplexed by how the bedding set had become separated. Just the other day, as she was reviewing some old Halloween pictures from my youth, she realized, the missing white sheets are no longer white, but Statue of Liberty green. The only question that remains is whether she can still concoct the exact right shade to get those darn pillowcases to match. This is really weird. All my gaming manuals are gone. Everything from my NES and Commodore 64, they're all gone. All the games are there, but just somebody took the manuals. What's that? Right, this is weird. Thought I heard someone go into my storage shed. Yes, I have a storage shed. Mostly filled with manuals. I'm gonna go check that out. But I'll leave you in the capable hands of Retroist contributor and occasional Retroist podcast contributor, Brian Boone. I'll be back. So my biggest problem with Halloween is that I've had a lot of costume missteps over the years. I always aim too high and try to do too much, and it never goes quite according to plan. Now, initially, we can blame my mother for this. My first real trick-or-treating excursion was at age five, and it was a pretty sweet Superman costume. The real deal. The S-crest, the tights, underwear on the outside, topped off with a red cape fashioned from my sister's old little red riding hood. Mom had put the whole thing together, but then she ruined it by making me wear a jacket over it. But Superman didn't wear a windbreaker, I complained. Superman wasn't four years old and coming down with the cold, either, Mom replied. Touché. A few years later, in junior high, I thought that the best way to improve my low social standing would be a crowd-pleasing Halloween costume combining two of the early 90s hottest pop culture icons. Those would be Sinead O'Connor and the Terminator, hence the Sinead O'Nator. 
The costume was little more than a leather jacket, sunglasses, a cheap bald cap, and a plastic gun I was forced to leave at home. I looked less like either of my inspirations and more like a sad, sad man having a midlife crisis. Needless to say, it did not improve my social standing. In high school, I was really into the band Kiss for some reason and decided to go as the Gene Simmons demon for Halloween. I applied the makeup myself, having never applied makeup before and using a cheap $2 clown makeup kit from Rite Aid. But poorly applied black lines melted into the vague white background. It was less Gene Simmons, more Heath Ledger and drag. And then, finally, I got it right. I got the grand idea, as if from above, but not at all, as you'll see, to go as the Pope. That's right, the Pope. Of all people, my mom helped out to ensure authenticity, buying me an old white choir gown at the Goodwill and painting religious symbols all over it. The other unlikely conspirator was the leader of the church's youth group, whom, when she got wind of my Halloween costume plan, loaned me a huge yellow foam Pope hat, which apparently is something that exists, and she owned. All day at school, I shouted, Abba Popa! in an Italian accent despite the fact that the current Pope was actually Polish. That night, I even wore it to a late-night showing of Seven, which, naturally, chilled me to the very core, so I had to walk home in the pitch black, dressed as the Pope, with my best friend, who was dressed as a vampire drag queen, as if we were just daring some unspeakable terror to come get us. But at least we looked good. Thanks, Brian. This is really weird. The storage shed is completely empty. All my manuals are gone. Luckily, I keep my favorite manual my Sid Meier's Pirate's Manual on my desk at all times. So whoever's been stealing these manuals won't be able to get it. I think this is the time in horror movies when usually the person doesn't do anything. So I think I'm going to play it safe and call the cops. Hello? The phone's dead. Where's my cell phone? Alright, I think I left my cell phone in the other room. I'm going to go get it. In the meantime, I leave you with a story of a haunted house and the sweet, sweet smell of revenge. I'll be back soon. When I was a little kid, we had a group of young teenagers who lived down the block, and they would harass us to no end. At the same time, they would often just occasionally include us in certain activities to endear themselves to us, so they were bullies who we would hang around with, and whenever I guess they were bored, they would pick on us. One year around Halloween time, they were really busy in their yard and in their basement doing something, and we were curious. My friends and I would circle their area wondering what they were up to. They always did kind of fun stuff. They would build catapults and all sorts of weird stuff. But most of the time, they would just pick on us. After two days of doing what they were doing, they put a sign out in front of their house that said, Haunted House. These guys had built themselves a haunted house in their basement. Admission was a quarter. Of course, I had to see what this was all about. So my friends, we all went home, got a quarter each, ran down, and got online. There was maybe six of us there. Now, haunted mansions were very big at this time. In New Jersey, there was a really popular one in Long Branch. So I would see commercials all the time for haunted mansions. And I would occasionally get to go to one when I went down the shore. But I'd never actually been into a walk-through haunted house. Every one I had been through had been like a ride-through, like at Disney World. Plus, these were guys who beat me up on a regular basis, so I was already pretty nervous around them. They took us to their basement. There was black curtains hanging in front of the door. We went inside. It was pitch black. Occasionally, things would light up. We'd get pushed around, there were some weird smells and noises, a skeleton would jangle in the corner. For my age, it was pretty creepy. Then they started doing something that was unexpected, that pretty much scared the heck out of me. They took the legs off a TV dinner tray and started using them to snap back and forth, like click, 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 click. It was very loud, right in my ear. But what they didn't expect is, in the dark, 
they couldn't see what they were doing, and they accidentally clipped me in the side of the head. It didn't leave any permanent marks, but it shocked me, and I panicked. I started running and feeling the walls, and by that time my eyes had adjusted. Now these guys had been in there much longer, so their eyes were completely adjusted, and they saw that I was reaching for a light switch that I spotted on the wall. They tried to stop me. They yelled, don't do that, don't do that. The switch I was actually reaching for, I guess, controlled the furnace on their house, and I started flicking it back and forth like crazy. The largest kid whose house this was got very angry with me and hauled off and wailed me in the stomach. I went down like a sack of potatoes. They started screaming and yelling, and my friends had to actually carry me out of the house. Now, of course, my mind instantly turned to revenge. And what better way to seek revenge than by creating a haunted house of my own and really scaring those guys? Now, I know that seems kind of childish, but I was young, and I thought this would really work. I had a basement. I could throw up a curtain. I got my friends together, and we worked out a plan. They all agreed it would be great fun. So we started gathering all our stuff and spent two whole days working on a haunted house of our own in my basement. In our young minds, we actually didn't think about the fact that we would be copying almost everything they did, thinking that that would scare them. We left the salesmanship to the bravest of our friends, and he went down the block to tell them, hey, we have a haunted house you have to check out this weekend. Now, I don't know what motivates bullies. I don't know what they were thinking, but that Saturday morning, they showed up. They even paid the quarter cover charge. Now, here's something I should share with you. My family were dog owners. And unbeknownst to me, while we were transacting ticket information, one of my dogs had gone downstairs and gotten very sick. Very sick everywhere, in the darkness. It was a very large dog. We opened the haunted house, brought them down to try to scare them. They were laughing the whole time. Then I heard one of them scream. They had stepped in something. Then the other one started yelling. Pretty soon it was a panic, and everyone started running for the door. I tried to stop them as they were running out, but they pushed me and knocked me over. When they got outside, they ran straight out angrily. Their shoes were completely covered with the remnants of my dog's sickness. I can't explain how savage the beatings I got on my own property that day were, but the look on their face and the reaction I got from them made it completely worth it. There's nothing I could have put into that haunted house that would have freaked them out as much as what my dog left for them. So, next time you need to seek revenge on your enemies, all you need is a darkened basement, a sick dog, and the ability to take a punch. Alright, I've called the police. They should be here soon. Hey, wait a minute. Where's my pirate's manual? What's that? I just saw someone outside. Alright, I need to stop recording right now. I'll be back in a little bit. Okay, the cops have been over and took the report. All my manuals are gone. You know, I've heard the legends of the Halloween manual masher, but I never thought that he would strike me. All my manuals are in a pile, torn, shredded, on the lawn in front of my house. It's hard for me to look at. The cops said they'll send someone by later to pick him up. 
here's a warning to everyone. If you've got manuals that you value, make sure you keep them somewhere safe. And on Halloween night, lock all your doors. Make sure your windows are all closed, because you never know when the Halloween manual masher is going to come for you. <laughs> Thank you for joining me for the first annual Retroist Halloween special. I'd like to thank everyone who contributed to this podcast. I'd like to thank Jonathan, who does a great job with Retro Rewind every week. He does that all the time, in addition to everything he does on his own website, Rotting Flesh Radio, the very first haunt industry podcast where every week it's Halloween. Drop by rfrpodcast.com for more details. Thank you to Metagirl for a great story. You can catch Metagirl's antics almost every week on the Retroist podcast where she presents a top five list. Thanks to Christopher Tupa. Christopher makes that great art that you see at the top of every Retroist podcast, and I'm pleased as punch that he submitted his first segment for the Retroist podcast. Look forward to hearing more from him. Thanks to Brian Boone. Brian is a regular contributor on the Retroist website and has submitted pieces for the Retroist podcast in the past. Brian actually started his own blog recently. It's all about music. And you can find it at lovehatesociety.com. I'd like to thank the Zerbinator, the Shellinator, and the Jovinator for all those great Halloween memories. If you'd like to hear more from them, I suggest you subscribe to their podcast and check out their website. It's Zerbinatorland at freewebs.com slash K-Z-M-O-O-D-S, K-Z-Moods. And of course, thanks to Tom, a.k.a. Killscreen, for both of his memories. Killscreen is a regular contributor to the website and the podcast. If you're interested in learning more about Killscreen, why not friend him on Facebook? You can find him at facebook.com slash Tom Colton. That's T-O-M-C-O-U-L-T-O-N. Thanks to everyone again for all the great hard work on this Halloween season. I hope everyone's at home tonight trick-or-treating, eating candy, and watching scary movies. As always, thanks for listening to the show, and I hope you have a great Halloween weekend. Has been a retrospective production. Goodbye.